Amen. Praise the Lord. How many can say it is well? How many of you can testify? Regardless of what's going on in the world, there's peace, there's a joy, there's a hope, and the assurance that our God wins. How many of you know he wins? He not only wins, he's already won. And he's the victor. And we get to get in on it. And uh, so we want to welcome you this morning to the gathering. And those of you that are joining online, we appreciate your being a part and believe this is going to be a very special day. And, and it is a special day. Many are with their moms. How many, I would love to be with my mom. How many of you would love to be? And we're going to be one day, I know, and in that day we'll, they'll be and be known. And, uh, but we're grateful for uh, all that God's doing. I, speaking of moms, happy Mother's Day, too. You know, for all, How many of you are moms? Yeah, well, God bless you guys. And, and uh, so if you're a mom or a mom in the making, you know, you can be a mom in the making. We have some, what's that? Our spiritual mom. Thank God. How many of you had somebody in your life you felt was a spiritual mom? That, yes, I did. And uh, Miss Boone was her name. And uh, it was amazing testimony of all that but anyway as you go out today we have a rose for you okay i think there's bookmark but also everyone gets a rose that's a mom or a mom in the making so make sure you pick one up also just want to mention that um remember every friday night we're doing what we call fire in the falls i think this is week 18 or 19 i don't even know it's good but uh this friday night tommy combs He's, he's one of those good Alabama boys. He's going to be here speaking. He's been here before, and uh, he's going to do a conference in the fall here, but he's going to be here this weekend, Friday night, and with us next Sunday. How many of you remember Tommy? He's on Dish Network and a, n a number of uh, different outlets, but, um, you know, platforms. But he's a good guy. He's wrote a book on the blood. Hey, it's good to see you guys. Boy, you're looking good. I like the, your new look there. God bless you, John, and... Uh, you know, I thought about trying all that, but Shirley never lets me. I've tried. She never lets me. I try. I tell her, if you just hold on, it'll, be, it'll look good after a while, but I can't get beyond that point where she says, cut it off. Shave. That's what razors are for, you know, something like that. But uh, Anyway, but next Friday night, 7 o'clock, Tommy Combs will be here, and I invite you. Invite somebody. It's going to be a special evening. Then he'll be with us on Sunday will be here with us all, the whole weekend. So, amen. Anybody first time visiting to the gathering, we want to give you some. Hey, you guys, where, where are you from? Ohio. Well, God bless you guys. You're, you're allowed from Ohio. It's a great state. And um, we bless you. Anybody else first time right here? Where are you from? San Diego. Now, that's really amazing. God bless you guys for coming. You didn't come all the way to San Diego. All right, Mother's Day. That's right. Well, bless you guys, and I think that's all. Well, I want to, before we receive our offering this morning, I asked Becky, she's our children's pastor, to come up, just share something with us from, that's on her heart, and then she's going to pray a blessing over our moms. And just ask her to do that. So welcome, Becky. She's our children's pastor. Good morning, everybody, <laughs> and happy Mother's Day. Well, I was asking the Lord what, what he wanted to be shared, and um, he brought me to a scripture, and it's um, John 4, 
And I'm just going to go ahead and read it, um, read some through, and then just highlight what, the, what God gave me. All right, so it says um, in John 4, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who was baptizing but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, she said to her, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Just a no-no. <laughs> Jesus answered her, and he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, um, with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it? as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you are now, now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the, in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, or like anointed one, is coming. 
When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. So just then his disciples returned, and we're surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, <laughs> what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. So what the Lord, as I was reading this, it was just like the Lord just kind of opened it up to me, this story in a new way. And the first thing that he highlighted was that the woman had an encounter with Jesus. He basically stepped in and asked her a question. She was just going about her daily life, daily chores, nothing special. And he pursued her, asked her for a drink. He was thirsty, so he asked her for a drink. And they talk about this water. Um, this water I give that can become a spring of water welling up into eternal life. It's like he has this awesome gift, but she still is kind of in the natural. She's, she says, I want the water. But then she goes back to the natural, like, how are you going to get this water? So she still didn't quite understand. So then the next thing Jesus does is gives her a word of knowledge. He asks for her husband. And, of course, at that point she is like, okay, this is a spiritual thing going on. Not just natural, not just any man asking me or saying. Anyway, so right away she goes into worship. You know, she didn't understand a lot about it but right away she starts she says I see you're a prophet and so she starts asking him questions about worship and that's just what the Lord kind of highlighted to me was she didn't understand she knew that Messiah was going to explain it and he goes in to talk about and he says woman believe me a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And then again he says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And what the Lord just started opening up to me was that worship is the open door. It's when we have an encounter with Jesus and, we, and our eyes are opened to the spirit realm because at first she just thought it was natural, but then her eyes opened up to the spirit realm and, and immediately she was hungry like, well, what about worship? You know, I don't know. And he begins to tell her that it's not a place so much as it is spirit and truth that it is by the Holy Spirit it is as our eyes are opened 
And as we have encounters with Jesus, that we can truly worship him, make him Lord. And this sometimes can happen in your home when you're just going about your daily chores, you know, washing the dishes, doing whatever. But it is at that time that the Lord will just, he'll ask you a question maybe. <laughs> he'll talk to you. And it is as he opens our eyes that we can worship him and make him Lord. And he becomes Lord as we lift him up, as we worship him. He becomes Lord in our, in our life, in our home. It can be in our workplace. Those are daily activities. And all of a sudden, as we worship and we lift him up, he is able to change situations. He is able to make the difference. He is able to change people. It is as we worship him that we start, begin to fulfill our callings to minister to our husbands, to love our children, to bring this love that Jesus gives us to the world. Because that is what's going to make the difference. It is by the love that they'll know that we are his disciples. And I just, this morning, I, I just know that if it wasn't encounters with Jesus, you just, my life would have just shriveled up and died. <laughs> it is those encounters with the living Lord, with our Savior, with our lover, that truly cause us to be alive and cause us to be who he has called us to be. And so this morning, I just want to pray for these encounters. I, I want all the mamas to stand up because I'm going to pray for, for you guys. And so mothers, um, spiritual mothers, just if you feel the Lord on you <laughs> and you want me to pray for you because I just, I just know that he's drawing us and he wants these encounters. So let's, let's just put our, our hand on our heart because it, it is our heart that, that he ministers to. It's our heart that's that flame in our home that burns and warms the place up. And so Lord Jesus, right now, I just thank you for these women in this, in this church. I thank you for all women that you, had, that you have called to this place, Lord, that you've called them by name, you've drawn them, Lord, you've asked them questions, you encounter them, Jesus. And it is out of those encounters that we are no longer the same, and I just ask that you would draw us and suck us in, Lord, just bring us to your throne, that, Lord Jesus, that we can bring your throne to the earth, your rule and reign in our situations, in our church, in our homes, Lord Jesus, because it does say that you are enthroned upon the praises of your people. And so, Jesus, we just worship you. And, Lord, I ask that you would just light a flame in each one of these women's hearts. Lord, minister to them. I just ask for your love, your liquid love, to just cover them and ignite their hearts. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Becky. And our children are going to be dismissed with her. And uh, we're going to receive our offering this morning. If you're writing checks, you can write them to the gathering. There's also some envelopes behind the, the seats. And we always receive our offering up around the altar. And uh, so you can come forward as an offering unto him. And um, there's a place to give online. God bless you guys. We have an amazing online family. And uh, we're grateful. Some of you we've met. Some of you we will meet one day. And some we may never meet in this life. But that's okay too. And we thank you for your prayers and your support. And um, so you come. And um, God bless you guys. The ways to give are also will be shown on the screen. having some difficulty with the mics and that's okay this one works good god bless you guys hey give our worship team a hand for leading us and uh yes lord jesus amen go ahead do it rich like me i once was lost but now I'm found Was blind But now I see Twas grace that taught my heart to fear And grace my fears
has promised Thank you guys for pressing on. Good to see all you got. David, good to see you. My kids are here. Oh, Addie's gone. I guess she had to go to the nursery. And Addie, but Josh and Molly, this is his beautiful bride, a mother-to-be. Make sure you get a rose, okay? And, uh, but they've been married now for just a little over a year, so a year and a half. Time is flying by. Well, we, um, good to be with you. You guys... Everybody doing good, right? You're weathering the storms and you're overcoming every, every battle that comes your way. That's what we're called to do. I, uh, there have been a lot of testimonies, you know. I, I, last week was amazing. There's, these two ladies came. Where did they come from? Pennsylvania. They drove. They got up at 4 o'clock or left at 4 o'clock in the morning. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Two. Yeah, they could make it. Anyway, they got here in time and... Um, this lady had been healed by attending one of the services, I don't know, months ago, whatever. Joe just happened to be available, prayed for her. She was healed, and she wanted to come share with us what God had done for her. She came all the way, and so anyway, that was pretty amazing. We're getting testimonies from the women's conference and those that, whose lives were touched, and uh, just pretty amazing what God is doing. There is an anointing, I believe, on this place, and I don't understand all of that. I know that the anointing abides within us. But there's also, you know, there's certain places that God has chosen. And, and uh, so we're going to 
claim that he's chosen this place and we are his people and this is his time. Why not us and why not now, right? And uh, so we're just believing God. This weekend, I, I had a feeling in the middle of the week that I was to go to some conference. And I, I've done that a few times. That's how I met David Hogan. I just felt that and then went off to Pennsylvania. But anyway, this week, I couldn't figure out where to go. And, and uh, I mean, how are you going to go? It, I think it was Thursday. And I've got to be back Saturday. How? They don't have conferences that last one day, or, but they did. And I ran across it over in Knoxville. And um, it was a, a conference about the Black Robe Regiment. And I heard, you know, we had Dan Fisher here. He was, ran for governor of Oklahoma. And uh, he told us about, he dressed up as one of the preachers would have, you know, in the Revolutionary War days. And, you know, many pastors in those days... They rose up, and not only did they pray, not only did they preach, they fought, and they led their congregations into the battle. And uh, they were talking how there were 4,000 pages in this one particular, I don't know, books of history, whatever, but talking about these preachers. We don't even hear about them. We need to know about them, but some of them brought their, what were the six shooters, whatever it was, into the pulpit, and... I thought, you know, that might be a good idea in this time, you know. But, but anyway, they were talking about the Black Robe Regiment. And um, I, I met the leader, and I told him, I said, you know, we've, I feel like I've been a part of the Black Robe Regiment for a long time. And we're like one of those Black Robe Regiment churches. And, uh, but I may join, you know, literally put my name on the line you know, they said something, they made a statement. They said, well, we better learn to hang together. We may hang separately. And so anyway, I thought, well, that's, I'd rather hang with together, you know, have somebody to the left and to the right. And, but it was an unusual conference. It was, it was at a, a church called Patriot Church. And uh, they had, the guy moved from Washington State, and he knew he was to plant this church, but it's actually a movement. There are many Patriot churches, I guess, springing up. And I saw there was one in Lynchburg and one over maybe in Wilmington. I don't know. There are many places. But, but he said they were looking for a building in Knoxville, and they drove down one particular place. I guess it's in Lenore City, actually. And they saw a building with a big American flag on the top, painted on the top. And they said, bingo, that looks like the place. So they inquired, and that was the place. And they're meeting there, and that's where this conference was. Maybe one of the, you know, most stunning things, and I should have known this, one of the main speakers, oh, Dr. Alan Keyes was there, you know, that ran for president against Barack Obama. Now, he would have been an amazing president, I'm just telling you. I'm talking about Alan Keyes, but anyway, we got to meet him, and I said, he's got to come here. He's got to come one day. But this man from Iran, he was converted out of radical Islam, shared the story how he and his family got out of Iran just before Islam came in and, you know, there was a black curtain that came over the nation. And he was sharing the story. I did not even know this. Or maybe I knew it and I forgot, but he showed some pictures. They, they weren't always under the bondage of Islam. How I many of you know that? It was a very prosperous nation and the women's they wore dresses and they had their hair made up. And then through a, a coup, they had a coup, and captivity came. And he was drawing the parallels 
between what's happening in America today and what happened in Iran. And I was so glad to hear and see the pictures that Iran used to be prosperous. And then there was a coup, and then all of a sudden captivity came. And, and I was just reminded they were challenging the pastors. There wasn't that many there, I'm just going to tell you. I wish I could say there were thousands of pastors. No, there just a handful. But they were challenging them, do not be cowards in this hour. If you're the cowards, you know, then we don't know. You're going to have to be bold and strong. And I was thinking about that statement. And what came to my mind, Shirley told me, she actually was the one that thought this up this week, was you remember in the Lord of the Rings, one of the most famous hobbits of all time, his name was Frodo. You remember Frodo? Frodo, in surveying the situation, you know, and all the things going on, here's what he said. Wise. He said, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened. How many of you ever been there? I wish none of this had happened. I wish, you know. But then Gandalf, wise Gandalf. Now, how many of you saw the Lord of the Rings? Some of you acting like you never saw it. Here's what he said. And this spoke to me. He said, so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time we have. And I thought, boy, what an amazing testimony from Gandalf. That's not my message. But anyway, it fits. And, you know, I was just thinking there are some things going on. I just assumed it never happened. And I, I bet the people in Iran 40 years ago were saying, you know, why did this happen? Why did it have to happen? Because they went into captivity and under the bonds of of radical Islam, which is like communism. You know, they, they are like two peas in a pot. Anyway, he went into the story, and he was challenging the pastors. And I know they're not that many, but we're going to stand for truth in this hour, and we got to do that. And uh, because it's, say, it's my time. You didn't say that too confidently. Say, it's my time. It's, it is. It's our hour. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details today of other things, but I made a new commitment. Lord, we're going to stand for truth. I don't care. I don't care. We're going to stand for truth because it's going to be harder and harder to stand for truth. But so be it. Gandalf said, so do all who live to see such times, but it's not for them to decide. All we have to do is decide what to do with the time we have. Now, I want you to go with me to John chapter 3. Anybody say amen. amen. We're not going to be cowards in pulpits, and we're not going to be cowards in the pews. And, in uh, fact, they were rather bold over there in Knoxville. They were just saying, if you're going to be a coward in the pulpit, it's time to vacate that pulpit. And turn it over to somebody else, because um, this is not a time to back down. It's a time to stand up. And we're going to believe. You know, it's not only what we say can get us in trouble. It's what you don't say when you had the chance to say it. You had the chance, but you didn't say it. And I wonder how many in Iran, before they put, you know, these black robes over their faces, what do you call them, burqas, you, you know, and all that, and they launched into radical... I wonder how many had wished they had stood up and confronted the evil that was coming their way. 
So this is our time to do it today. Amen. Amen. Nobody's discouraged. You're not discouraged. You're in. How many of you are encouraged? It's the times we live. And at the end of today, we want to pray for people around the altar. And God, I understand Friday night I wasn't here because we were I was over there that the worship leader had some encounter with God. And, and it was the week before, remember, our singer, our country singer, he had an encounter. He had to, he had to quit. He had to give up on Friday night. But anyway, so that's what we want, what Becky talked about. We want to have encounters with God. So anyway, look with me now to John chapter 3. Everybody encouraged. What are you going to do today on Mother's Day? You got it figured out. Hey, Scott, good to see you back there, your mom. You're going to go spend time with your mom today. I know, Debbie. Okay, John chapter 3. Let's read there in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, so no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And that ought to be our testimony. No man, no woman can do the things you're doing except God is with you. There's something different about you. It's not because of who you are, but it's because of who he is in you. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can a man be born when he's old or enter into the womb a second time? And Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from, where it goes, so is everyone who's born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and uh, said to him, how can these things be? And he goes on, he says, are you a teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things? But the key is, He says in verse 3 and then verse 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So Lord, I thank you for this morning. And I thank you, God, for letting me get connected with those guys over there, knowing there are others that are standing in this hour, God. They're all over our nation. I thank you. There are at least 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And as Jonathan Kahn reminded us this week again, we will not bow the knee to Baal. And uh, Lord, I thank you that you're among us, you're with us, you're in us, you're for us. Greater is he. And uh, so, Lord, we honor you in this place. We ask you to open our hearts and our mind to your word. And we pray today that signs and wonders would follow your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, by the way, I was going to mention, we will send it out to you if you're on our email list. You need to watch Jonathan Kahn, the last message you just a few days ago on the days of Baal or something like that. But anyway, you know, that man is amazing how he can tie things together through history, and he's tied the last three or four presidencies together and things that have been happening. It's an amazing gift that he has from God. But we'll send it out if you're on our email list. And if you're not, you can sign up out there in the four-year. We'll make sure you get it. But you need to just go home and Google Jonathan Kahn Baal. And it'll come up. But it's an amazing word, very timely. And the challenge, we're not going to bow the knee. But today I want to talk about John 3. Is that okay? Because I remember 
speaking this, and this is a good day to speak it, but I remember hearing the Holy Spirit say the preaching of you must be born again is going to become popular again in America. And there are many reasons for that. We want to be a people of the Spirit, but we also want to be a people of sound doctrine. Say sound doctrine. You know that word, they hear the word doctrine, especially the young people. You know, you say, well, that sounds boring. It is not boring. The word doctrine means teaching. Say teaching. You want to be of sound teaching. You know, the Bible says something about how there will come a time they'll no longer endure sound teaching or doctrine, and they'll look for those who will tickle their ears. And when you get your ears tickled, what does that mean? It means... You will look for those who will tell you how good you are, great you are, fantastic you are, rather than the real state, that is, no, without him, you, you're a sinner, and you need salvation. And, uh, but anyway, there'll be those that tickle our ears. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, or my saying, I'll be ashamed of you when the Son of Man comes in his glory. Remember, he said, go therefore make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe what? All things that I've commanded you. And so we're to, we're to preach, we're to teach people about his sayings and being born again. I can't remember the last time when I preached on that. It's one of the sayings of Jesus. I mean, if you know that, he said, tell them, you must be born again. It's not about turning over a new leaf. It's about turning around completely. And I just wonder how many in America, maybe they've got just a little bit of religion, but they never really got that real encounter that Becky was talking about. They really were born again as Jesus is trying to convince Nicodemus you have to be. You think that's a possibility. And that's what I want to talk about today because uh, my, our friend Steve Evans wrote a book on uh, discipleship, and he included some things that happen to you when you're born again. And uh, so I wanted to just draw from that and then add to it. He'll forgive me. I'm giving him all the credit. He just said a little bit. I'm going to say a whole lot more. But in other words, you got to be born again. And we want to trumpet that across America. It's not about being a Presbyterian. It's not about being a Methodist. It's not about being whatever you are. It's about, you know, when I, when I went to that conference over there, they found out I'm from Moravian Falls. Some of them thought I was a Moravian. I'm not a Moravian. I'm not a Moravian. We don't know what we are in Moravian Falls. We want to be like the Moravians. We want to be like them. But we want to be like Jesus. We want to be his followers. And, uh, but anyway, you want to make sure that you have the real thing. And the real thing is not Coke. The real thing is Jesus. So that's what I felt like I'm to preach. So this is some basic doctrine. Is that Okay. We can, you know, sometimes you got to go back to the basics. You know how they excel in sports? They do the basics over and over and over and over and over again until you become an expert at what it is you, you're trying to excel in. So in any way, in John chapter 3, the most famous verse of all time is John 3.16. Everybody knows it. We quoted it last week. We should quote it again today. Just quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That tells us that God is a God of love. How many of you know that that's the predominant 
characteristic of God that he's a God of love. But he's more than that. He's also a God that's going to display his wrath in the days to come. If you only preach the love of God and not the wrath of God, you're going to miss out on the rest of the story because John 3.16 focuses on the love of God. But look in John 3.17. What does it say? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him through be saved, might be saved. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is what? He's condemned already. And so we've, Jesus came to rescue the condemned out of their condemnation. You know, we're living in a cancel culture. You don't believe me? Just get bold, and, and we're going to be bold, but you preach about certain things or you make certain stands, you might get canceled off of some platform. So be it. I'd rather be accepted by God and canceled on the earth than accepted on the earth and canceled by God. But Jesus came to cancel condemnation, to cancel it once and for all. And then he proved that by giving his son, and whoever believes has eternal life. And we know that. John or Mark 16, 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Now let's go back to John 3, and Jesus is having this encounter with Nicodemus. Now, who is Nicodemus? He's a Pharisee, but he's also a ruler. He's a prince. He's like a politician of his day, and he's a chief. You know, all these things. And he comes to Jesus by night. Now, that could mean two things. One is he wanted to come secretly because he was concerned about his reputation. I have to admit Understanding the times when I saw that American flag, big, bold, gigantic American flag on their roof, my first thought is, you know, you're not going to be able to hide in these days from the air. They're going to know that you really are patriots in this crowd, you know, in this building. They said, so what? We want them to know. And we want them to know. We want to know. How are they going to know? Well, one way they know is our love for one another. And that's the greatest way that we want to be made known But anyway, Nicodemus is a ruler, you know, he's he's all these things. And so he's having an encounter at night. But also, you know what night can mean? It can mean spiritual darkness, right? It's a good idea. It doesn't matter when it is. The key is that you come to him. I thought again about an experience that I had 2012. Rick Joyner and I, you know, he's a pilot. And he, wanted, he was going to speak at a conference in just in Detroit. You remember when we went, he invited me. And anyway, on the way back, I got to see a World Series game. Now, we didn't get out of the plane because we were thousands of feet in the sky. You know, I didn't get a ticket. We flew over the World Series. Now, I don't know that it was exactly. I don't know it's against the law to go exactly. But it was just enough where you could see everything. And, um, you know, I thought, wow, this is exciting. And I, t- I told Rick, I said, you know, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. I've always wanted to go to a World Series. Couldn't afford it. But here we are. And I just told him, I said, you know, I have a feeling God wants to speak to us through this experience. And so we just were open to what the Lord had to say. And the first thing, Rick speaks up and he says, yes, this is not the World Series. This is the World Series. 
and we knew that we're on our current path as a nation, that we were heading into some serious times. Not the world series, but the world serious. And I was in agreement with that. And then the second thing we notice is that the, I noticed all the players on the field. Now, they looked like miniature. They were miniature, obviously. But I saw the pitcher on the mound. I couldn't see the ball. I mean, that would be pretty, you talk about good eyesight. But I could see the guy on the mound. And I was thinking about all the times I watched my son in Little League, you know, middle school, high school, college, and he was on the mound pitching. I don't know who was the most nervous, me or him. Chances are it was me because he didn't look nervous. He was throwing strikes. I'm up there, you know, begging God, let him throw strikes. God, help him throw strikes. Anyway, I was nervous. But all of a sudden, as I'm thinking about that, the Lord speaks to my heart. He says, this time, it won't be your son on the mound. It's going to be my son on the mound. And he never loses. The scripture, now thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And if you're in Christ, you're always going to be led in triumph. And then the next thing we notice, they were playing the giants that night. And I thought, you know, that speaks of the times all of us are going to be facing giants. And sometimes I just feel like a little David. And I am a little David. But David was a David, and David faced the giant, and he slew the giant. And we're going to slay giants. That's what we've been called for. Because the greater one lives in us, and so we're not going to back down from the giant. And then the last thing we just notice is because of the lights. You know, it's dark around being that high, but you could see the lights so clearly. And we were just thinking how, you know, Jesus really is the light of the world, and we've got to make him known. And uh, though, world, though the darkness will come in deep darkness to people, yet the glory of the Lord will arise over you. And we're going to proclaim that. We're going to trumpet that, that he is the light. I believe with all my heart that before Jesus comes again, there's going to be a great coming to him again. Did you hear that? Before he comes again, there's going to be a great coming to him again. How many of you believe that? And he's got us ready for it. All of us have a testimony. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. And somehow he's going to shake all the things from the church in America that don't need to be there. And he's going to bring us back to that which is most important. And it's all about his son. Say his son. Did you know everything is going to be wrapped up in Jesus? Everything is going to be about Jesus. Jesus. He must increase. Now... Back to Nicodemus. So he's, Jesus is talking to him. He comes by night. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things unless God is with him. So Nicodemus knew this about Jesus. He knew that he was a teacher. How many of you know he was a good teacher? He's probably the best teacher. In fact, Jesus is the teacher. And when he's teaching through us, you know it. When he's not, you know it. And then you've come from God, and he knew that God was with him. You knew that God was with him. That, you know, there's never been anyone on the earth like Jesus. And we're going to make him known again. And there's never, going to be, there's never been a people that's been ordained to live on the earth at this time other than you and me. And we're going to make him known. You know, he came and the world hated him. He loved them. They falsely accused them. He came to declare their innocence. 
They killed him. He laid down his life to give them life, to give them eternal life. But then all of a sudden, you know the story, so let's go and stick to it. Jesus interrupted Nicodemus. I'm sure this is great. Yes, you know me as a teacher. You know me in all these ways, but you must be what? You must be born again. Now, I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that message is being trumpeted over the airwaves in America. There are many in churches all over the land. And, uh, but the message of you must be born again must be trumpeted. You know what I heard? The strangest thing this week. You know there are more witches in America now than there are Presbyterians? By 100,000. I thought, now that's, that's interesting. There are more witches than Presbyterians. Something has gone awry. Somebody didn't preach the truth. Something happened to lead the people away. And we've got to tell people, it's not about your religion. You must be born again. In fact, he says, if you're not born again, you're not going to see the kingdom. Say, you won't see it, nor will you enter it. Now Nicodemus, thinking about all this, he says, okay, so Jesus, can a man be born the second time? Is he going to enter into his mother's womb? And, of course, Jesus said, that has nothing to do with it. You know, you're, you're born of the flesh, and you're born of the Spirit. So for the rest of the time this morning, then we're going to go enjoy Mother's Day. And um, how many of you had a great mom? I had the best mom. The best mom. i got to tell you a quick, now most of you don't know this, but some of you know that when my mom died, we had a double funeral. Did you know that? My dad died, my mom died, and then my dad died within 24 hours because he was on a mission to serve my mom. My mom had Alzheimer's, and so he just took care of her, clothed her, fed her, you know, did all the things. And then when she died, I guess he just thought, well, my mission on earth is up. And uh, so he went, and so we had a double funeral. It was an amazing thing. But I thank God for my mom, and I thank God for my dad. How many of you are thankful? I thank God for our godly parents. And our parents are going to thank God for us one day because we're called to be those now that set the example. But anyway, what happens when you're born again? Here it is. Number one, for those of you that are watching online, what is this born-again experience? Well, first of all, you get a new life. When you're born again, you get a new life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. Listen, we, we're to exhibit, we've been called into life, eternal life, abundant life. We should be the happiest people on the planet. How many of you know that? We should have a smile. I, I literally know people that have a smile on their face all the time. How many of you sometimes that tends to irk you a little bit because you don't feel like you have a smile in your heart? And you think, how can they always be smiling? Have they not read the New York Times recently? That's probably why they're smiling. Because they hadn't read the New York Times most. You don't need to read it either. But there's new life. You know, all of us, there's the body and there's the soul and the spirit. Basic, they taught us this in Christianity 101. We all have a body. You got to take care of your body. How many of you are taking care of your body? You better. It's the only one you got. We have this treasure, but we have it in earthen vessels. And then secondly, we have a soul. So we are a body. You know, we have a soul, or we live in a body. 
We have a soul. That's what? Three things. The mind, the will, and emotions. And you know, your emotions sometimes are like roller coaster, right? Sometimes you're on a high, sometimes you're on a low. That doesn't, that doesn't affect your relationship with God. It just reflects your relationship in your soul. And just we, have a, we live in a body, we have a soul, but we're what? We're really spiritual beings. And the, but the scripture says, without him you're dead in your trespasses and sin. But in him you're made alive. You were once dead, but you're alive. And then secondly, you get a new heart. Say a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of you. And I think today, God, there are people, it's as if they have a heart of stone and they become so against you, Lord. And we see evidence of that all the time. And yet the Lord is saying, do you not think if I took that heart of stone out of you, you don't think I can take that heart of stone out of them? I can change the human heart. And he's the one that's going to do it. You know, we need a heart transplant today in America. I've never known anybody that's had a heart transplant. Have any of you known anybody? Some of you. Anybody had one in here? No, you haven't. But I've, I've never known them a heart. But I've known many that had bypass a surgery. If I had my choice, and I believe I have my choice, I'm going to bypass the bypass. Some of you would, would agree, you know, I'd rather bypass the bypass. No, thank you. I don't need that. I don't want that. Well, God doesn't give us a bypass. He doesn't give us a pass on sin. The wages of sin is what? It's death. Individual sin, national sin. I told you I wasn't going to go there today, but i got to share one thing. When you watch Jonathan Kahn, do you remember the opening prayer, January the 4th, the, the Congress comes into gathering in the Capitol? Now, you'll have to watch that, but the Capitol is known as America's temple. It's written on the walls of the U.S. Capitol that we do not have temples, but this is America's temple. It's known as that. We don't have temples, you know. But anyway, they opened their prayer. Now, you remember that got us upset when he prayed in the name, he said, and we pray amen and a woman. You remember that? That was not the big thing. That was just to get our attention, to distract us. They opened that prayer, and they prayed in the name of Brahma. They opened the Congress, and they sanctified the Congress, and dedicated from what's known, written on the walls of the Capitol. And even many after that said, this is the temple. When they thought it had been defiled, when the people, you know, came and all that. But they actually dedicated the nation to Brahma. In other words, dedicating it to Baal. Baal, I'm telling you, it's a serious thing. You're going to have to watch that. Because we're living in some amazing times. And the only one that can change it is Almighty God. And God can give America a new heart. I, listen, I'm not buying that. They may have dedicated themselves to Brahma and to Baal. They didn't dedicate me and my house. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And I renounce that over our nation. In the name of Jesus. We're not dedicated to Brahma or to Baal or Buddha or whoever. We're dedicated to Jesus Christ. 
And God can change the hearts. He still can, even the one that got up and dedicated our nation. His heart can be changed. And I believe for that, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be just like God to invade the temple, the capital, and the conviction of the Holy Ghost? I'm, I am not going to give up. I am not going to give up. And then that, thirdly, you get a new nature. You get a new nature. You're born the first time with a nature that is gravitating toward sin. I want to show you. Let's look at that. Romans chapter 5, just uh, going through some old-fashioned biblical doctrine because we need to know what the Word says and stand on the Word. The only thing that's going to last at the end of the day, you know, the flesh withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God endures forever. So look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. Who was that one man? Adam, and death reigned through sin, and thus death spread, say spread, Spread. to all, say all, to all men, because all sinned. The death spread because all have made that choice to sin. Verse 14, nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. There are probably many that would say, I didn't sin like Adam. I mean, Adam's the one that disobeyed you. But then he goes on, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of, or the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So there was Adam, and then there was Jesus. Verse 18, therefore... As through one man's offense, say judgment. Judgment came to how many? All men, resulting in what? This verse agrees with Jesus. He came to a world that was under condemnation to cancel the condemnation. And he canceled it at the cross. Every other gospel is a cancellation of the cross. It's a crossless gospel. The true gospel is not only about his cross, it's about our cross. Him, ultimately, but we have to take up our cross daily and follow him. And then he goes on, even so through one man's righteousness, act the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification by life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made, what? Sinners, also by one man's obedience, his death on the cross, many will be made righteous. And then I like that next verse, and I remind him all the time, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So you get a new nature. And then fourthly, you become a new creation. How many of you know where it says, you know, therefore if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. If you look that up, you know what it means. It means something created that has never yet been. Never been. Never has there been on the face of the earth what God has done in creating that new creation who has put their faith and trust in Jesus. They're created, born at that moment. Not entering to their mother's womb, but born again. A new creation. 
something that has never been before. Listen, we underestimate what he's done for us. We should overestimate it. I'd rather be on the side of overestimating than under. And then the next thing, you get a new beginning. Now, I know that this is simple, but we need to make sure we're rooted and grounded. Get a new beginning. How many of you have blown it at least one time in your life? One time. I blew it. How many of you blew it yesterday in some way? I blew it. You know, you know there's sins of omission as well as sins of commission. That means if you know to do good and you do not do it, to him it is what? It is sin. And so there's, we sin. I'm glad repentance is not just a one-time thing. Now I know it's a beginning. We repent and we turn and we receive. But we take a, is the cross? Yes, there's the original, his cross, but then every day we have to take up our cross and follow him. Every January the 1st we look forward to it. And uh, you get a new start, new beginning. But every day's a new beginning. And God demonstrates his own love toward us in that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then the next thing, you, you receive forgiveness. When you're born again, you get forgiven. Say forgiven. I shared with you how I preached in Pakistan last Friday. I've got another one coming up. And uh, it's a joy to preach from my couch. And I shared with you, it's amazing. You preach from your couch and you get to be in Pakistan and these nations. And when I mentioned about you can be forgiven, you can, boy, they erupted. The crowd began, you know, to clap. Because people want to know, can I be forgiven? Remember Luke chapter 7. Jesus went to eat at the home of a Pharisee. And remember, there was a woman of reputation. You know what that means. Yeah, she had a reputation in the city, so she walks in. She's wondering, Jesus, I wonder if this Jesus can do something about the stain and sin that is in my heart. I mean, I've got a reputation in the world. I wonder if maybe he might do something about my reputation. Remember, she's weeping, and then she washes his feet with tears. And, um, and then, you know, these, they're, those in the room, they speak up. If this man was a real prophet, he would know who it was that's washing his feet. This woman's a sinner. You know, he's pointing the finger. This woman's a sinner. You know, why, how'd she get in here? But anyway, she's supposed to be in there. That's who he came for. But anyway, Jesus tells a story about the two men who owed, remember, they were in, in debt. One owed, was it 500 denarii? And then the other owed 50. And the, the one who they owed the money canceled the debt and Jesus said which one you know loves more the one that was forgiven more the one that was forgiven less and uh, they thought well maybe it must have been the one that was forgiven more but Jesus remember he said those who sin much are what they're forgiven much you know there are people all over that say you don't know the things I've done if you know what I've done you wouldn't be telling me I could be forgiven no, to those who've done much, God will forgive much. His grace is greater. Where there's sin and abounding, grace the much more abounds. And you know, to be forgiven means you get clean. We need to tell Americans. We need to tell those in the capital. You can be clean. You can be forgiven of your sin. Sin sent him to the cross. But you can be forgiven. Remember Paul 
He was given a mission. What was his mission? He said, you go open their eyes, open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light. That's our mission in life. Turn people from darkness. Don't just tell them, hey, you're in the darkness. I mean, that is part of the story. But this is the way out. There's a way out. And he's a person. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, to free them from the power of Satan to God, and that they might have forgiveness. They might receive forgiveness. Forgiveness. And then receive an inheritance with those who have faith in him. Still with me. Next, what do you get when you're born again? You get a new vision. A vision. You know, your eyes. You have two sets of eyes. All of you are aware of that, right? We got these natural eyes, and then we have the spiritual eyes. How many of you know that if he doesn't open your eyes, you can't see what he wants you to see? Same thing with ears. Now we're commanded, let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. But not only, you know, should we, he has to open our ears. And he will, but he'll give us vision, fresh vision. Isaiah 29, I won't read it now, but I believe with all of my heart, there's a prophecy that they will see out of obscurity and out of darkness. And I believe that's the world. And I prophesied over America right now that though it may be dark, a multitude, a harvest is going to see out of obscurity and out of darkness because Jesus is the light of the world. And the light of the world is among us. And he's with us. And we're going to so let our light so shine among men that they may see our good works and give glory to him. And then you get a new family. A new family. How many of you feel like you're part of our family? Josh and Molly, you should raise your hand. You're part of my family. You're part of my family. But we're part of a family. Everywhere you go on the earth, it doesn't matter. You're part of a family. I haven't met, I have not met these guys from Pakistan that, you know, are setting this up, putting up the screens, you know, gathering the people. But when I look at them, I feel like we're all in the same family. I remember when I lived in Mobile. I literally, now we had what was called the Mobile School of the Spirit. That's what, and we had a church, it was a little church, and it is a big ministry, it's a, a conference ministry. Bob Jones would come, and Bobby, and Ray Hughes, and Rick, and many, many others. And they would come from Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida. It was an amazing time. But I told them one time, when I, when I look at the crowd, I felt like I was a pastor of the church of the city of Mobile. I felt like I was a member of every church in that city. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about. And I, and I was. I was. And we too. There's only one Lord, one faith, one body. One, one, one church. And there's one family of God. We're a family. We're a family. God's a family man. Well, how do I know that? Because he's a father. More than anything, he's a father. And he has sons and daughters. And I thank God that we're a part of that family. You remember when his, some of his, his mother, was it his mother and brother were outside and they got the word, hey, Jesus, your mother and brother outside, they want to see you, they're waiting for you. He said, you know who my mother and brothers are? They are those who hear the word of God, and they do it. Now, we have a natural, but we have a spiritual family. And then another thing, what happens when you're born again? You get eternal life. 
you get eternal life. But you guys, if, if you know some things, I'm just telling you, there is a quest among the elite of the world for eternal life. How many of you know that? They want to live forever. Some of them, I think they are living forever. That guy Kissinger has been around for 150,000 years. He's still, I remember him way before I was born. But anyway, there's some people, they want to live forever. You can live forever. In fact, I don't know whatever you're doing to make you think you have eternal life, but I'm telling you there's only one answer. Now, how long is eternity? This is how I felt like I was to share with you this morning. I'm sitting out on my screen porch thinking about this, thinking of just preaching, you know, something basic. You know, just preach on you must be born again. And anyway, I'm thinking about eternal life. How can I explain this? And all of a sudden, I feel like the Lord speaking to me said, now, how long would it take you if you went and plucked every leaf from that tree? And then when you plucked every leaf from that tree, you plucked every leaf from the next tree. And then the next tree, and then all, and we own 21 acres. I said, God, you know how long that would take. You plucked every leaf from every tree in your 21 acres. And then you didn't stop there. Then you started plucking the tree, the leaves from the trees in Wilkes County. And then you didn't stop there. You plucked every leaf from the tree in North Carolina. Then you didn't stop there. Then you plucked every leaf from every tree in the southeastern part of the United States. Then you didn't stop there. And in the year 50,000 billion, billion over and over, then you plucked, and you, you know what I'm talking about. And then, when you finished, there's a lot of trees. You ever flown over? You know, they tell us we're overpopulated. I can take you places you can fly for miles, and you don't see any population. Ain't nobody down there but leaves. But anyway, then you've got to take the leaves and transport them one by one, one at a time, to the moon. Now, that's going to take quite a while. Do you know that would be like one millimeter of a second of what eternity is all about? It wouldn't even touch the surface of eternity. You better know where you're going. You're going to live in one place or the other. You know, I, I, man, we preach heaven. But you better let folks know there's an alternative place. There is a hell. I'm going to, now, I'm going to go back to some of these doctrines. I'm going to preach on hell pretty soon. So that's the Sunday. If you don't want to come, it's okay. You can say, why didn't you go to the gathering? Because the preacher's giving them hell today, and I didn't, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to go there. You know, I think I would bypass. Well, that's what you want to do. You want to bypass. And you can. You can live forever. You know, the earth is not going to live forever. Now, I do not read Yahoo News. I just have a couple sites, but I saw, somebody sent it to me, because they, they sent it to me, I briefly saw it, somebody was predicting some asteroid that's supposed to come and break, so what is, no, there's a ship, there's a Chinese air rocket that's breaking up, but there was something else, an asteroid, and they're saying, they're, they had some simulation where they, what would happen if an asteroid hit the earth? And then you read the story later on, and it's, it's, it's an asteroid that's passing within 35 million miles of Earth or something. I, 35 million miles? 30, 
Do you know, anyway, whether an asteroid hits us or not, the earth is not going to last forever. How many of you know that? It's all going to be burned up. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And we've got to set our place, get a reservation for, to live forever. And then the next thing is you receive a relationship. When you're born again, you receive a relationship with God. This is not about keeping rules. We want to confess to you, those of us who know the Lord, we're not that good at keeping all the rules. How many of you know that? How many of you? All have sinned. We've all broken the rules. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. It's not about rules. It's about the rule maker ruling in your heart. And then out of our life unto him, living unto him, him living through us, then you can obey the commands of God. They're not burdensome. The commands of God are not burdensome because of Christ that lives in you, the hope of glory. And it's a relationship. Becky was talking this morning about a relationship. I pray this will explode in all, and we'll just start having daily encounters with Jesus. You have an encounter with Jesus, you're going to have all you need to make it through the next 10, 15, 20, 25. I don't know when me years. Whatever it is, you can make it. You've been with him. I've been with Jesus. Why you got that smile on your face? I've been with Jesus. Why are you happy? Why are you happy? Don't you know the price of eggs? And you say, well, I have a chicken. And he may, no, no, you can say, no, I have Jesus. You might have a chicken too that lays eggs. But you have Jesus. I'm telling you, there's going to be a testimony in America that Jesus is enough. He said, you seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. And all these things are going to be added unto you. Did he mean it? Yes, he meant it. And he's going to be faithful. You receive a relationship, a relationship, and it's a daily. Wake up. What are you doing today, Lord? What's on your heart today? Where are you going today? And then the next thing in verse, we'll close this up. In verse 7, verse 8, he says, Do not marvel. You must be born again. In verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. How many of you can see the wind? You can't see, but you can see where it's been. And you, can, you know you're in the midst. There have been some winds lately. Winds in the leaves. There's been some winds. And I'm just believing it's a picture of a rushing mighty wind that's blowing. It may not be blowing. I don't know. They were talking this week. We don't know if all of America can be saved because the conditions right now, it's going to take a miracle, but multitudes of people can be saved. And it happens, and it can be turned around if the mighty rushing wind begins to blow across the land because nothing is impossible with our God. Nothing. I don't care what power they have. I don't care what banks they own. God owns more than any of them. And it's the kingdom of God that's coming. The only kingdom that's going to last. But the wind. What is the wind? The wind of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if we're ever going to feel the wind in this room. I know Bob Jones would always say, did you feel that? Remember? Did you feel the wind? I remember him saying that many times. 
not only here, but in Mobile, Bob Jones, wouldn't he? He would come and speak, and he would say, did you feel the wind? And I have to be honest with you, probably 99.99999% of the time, I said, Bob, I didn't feel any wind. But the wind was blowing. The wind was blowing. And I don't know. I mean, it, the spectacular is a lot of fun. It would be wonderful if all of a sudden all these banners and flags would start waving and we couldn't explain it. People would come from miles around to see the flying flags. They'd come, but that's not why we want them to come. Because that will just lead them in the wrong, down the wrong way. We want them to come because of the wind of the Holy Spirit. The wind. And I think we can feel that wind. I believe the wind is blowing. There is a wind blowing across Tennessee. There is a wind blowing across Alabama. There is a wind blowing in my home state of Louisiana. There is a wind blowing in South Carolina. How many of you? Ohio. Let's just prophesy. There is a wind blowing. And there is, I know there's a wind blowing over in California. Mario, Morello, and I know there's winds blowing in Utah. And there's winds blowing in Montana, Michigan. You know, they thought they stopped the wind in Michigan. They're not going to stop the wind. Who's going to stop our, if God be for you, who can be against you? And there's a wind blowing in North Carolina. There's a wind blowing in this place. And that's how you're born again. So what do you do? Well, first of all, you... The wind has to blow in your heart, bringing conviction of sin. And those of you that are watching, you can't create the conviction. You can't just join a church, join a movement. You know, I could have thought about, well, maybe we should join that patriot movement. But I felt, no, we'll just be friends. We're not preaching an American gospel, although we're, we're Americans. We're not even preaching a church gospel. We're preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You know what I'm talking about. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that's what we want more than anything, is the Holy Spirit breathing and convicting. And I believe it's going to happen again. I believe it's already happening. There are going to be people fall in the parking lot of the gathering. I've heard some things that were already similar. And in that conference we had a few weeks ago, there was some conviction. There was people being moved by the Spirit. And it's going to happen again. It's going to happen. But then not only conviction, there must be confession. You've got to admit. Do you know what it means to confess your sin before God? Anybody? Acknowledge. Acknowledge. You admit. That's all you do. You don't try to explain it away. You know, blame it on, well, it's because of that woman. You know, whatever. It's because of that man. It's because, no, it's not because, it's because... No, it's not because, it's because of sin and our choosing that we've fallen away and we wanted to do right, but we didn't. But it's confession, it's acknowledging, God, I admit to you that what I've done is sin. And then you must change, change. You know all the change they had up here? It was really amazing, all the change. And it spoke of change. It meant change, coming, change. I would have just left it here. But they vacuumed up before I could find it. You know, they just, they didn't vacuum. I don't know. They, but I would have just left it. I just, man, that was cool. But even if you, listen, there's real change. And you've got to make the change. 
This is not, you know, buying an insurance policy. You have to change, repent, turn. You make a turn, and God will help you do that. How many of you found God helps you change? God, I can't change myself. And God helps you as you turn toward him. The biggest turn is from ourself to him. That's the turn. And then we choose to believe in him. If you confess him and you believe in him in your heart, you will be saved. And then you call. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's not just salvation. It's over and over. This is the hour to call. When his people call, if your son or your daughter comes and you hear them, Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad, what are you going to do? You're going to answer, and you're going to run to where that call is. You don't think he's going to reach out to his people in this hour? I'm telling you, he's hearing the cries and calls of the saints, and he's coming He's coming. And before he comes again, he's going to come in the midst of his people. And he's going to show himself strong. And Lord, I thank you for the, for the word of God. Thank you, Father, for your son. Jesus is the word, the living word. And Lord, I thank you that when we preach the word, the Holy Spirit brings the conviction. Lord, I thank you your word will never return void. The words of men will be forgotten, but the word of our God will endure forever. And I pray right now for the conviction of the Holy Spirit in this place and online, wherever, whether they're watching live or watching later. Lord, I thank you for that command. You wouldn't let Nicodemus get by with just knowing you as a teacher or someone that's come from God or some great prophet he must have been born again. And I declare that over our nation. And I pray, God, for a new conviction of you must be born again across America. And I pray that will, that will accompany that will be a wind of the Holy Spirit that cannot be explained. We don't know where it comes from. And we don't know where it goes. But we know who's behind it. And we know the change that comes. And I thank you for it. Do it today, Lord. Do it today. And I want to pray right now. We, I believe there are people watching, people in this room. But I know people are watching. And if we're faithful, God will send the harvest. I want to lead you in a prayer right now to receive Jesus. I'm going to pray then a fresh wind. Last week we prayed for a fresh infilling of the Spirit. I'm going to ask God to send the fresh wind in, in the midst of us and the people. We need fresh wind probably every day in this season. Fresh infilling, fresh anointing. But right now, if you want to know Jesus, just say something. And the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Just, just say, dear God, I believe in you. And I believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. And I confess my sin, and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And now by faith, I receive you into my heart, and I pray, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. From this moment on, fill me 
with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven and be glorified through my life and my testimony. And if you prayed that prayer, how many of you know he answers prayers when you call on him? Now, I'm going to just pray. Let's all stand. We're going to get ready to go have Mother's Day. And we just wish every one of you a happy Mother's Day and the mothers-to-be. Can't wait to see my second grandchild. <laughs> no. No, I can't. There's no plans. But how many of you love grandchildren? We love them. Somebody was asking recently about having children in this hour. And they were wondering, you know, there are going to be challenges that we've never known before as a nation. It's not make-believe. It's real. And the thought that came to my mind was, well, when the Lord removes the verse that said, be fruitful and multiply, when he removes it, then you can think it's not safe. But I think he said, be fruitful and multiply. I know there's a time, he says, woe to you that you're with nursing babe and the time when you're fleeing and we're going to need to be led by the Spirit in this hour in every regard, every day. As I shared last week, because of the nature of events, you're going to have to hear the Holy Spirit as to whether you go in a particular store or you stay out. Does that make sense? I don't know how we make it this day except that it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit saith the Lord. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask who gives to all men liberally. God's a liberal in regards to giving wisdom. Liberally and without reproach. He's not going to hold back because you didn't earn that wisdom. It's the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, and he lives inside of us. So I just wanted to stir and fan that flame and pray for a fresh wind of heaven in your life and in your family. And um, just want you to know we appreciate our family. Thank you being our family. Families hang around one another. They enjoy one another. They don't leave. They just hang around. And we're a family. Lord, I just pray and I thank you for this family, those watching that are part of our family online, but I thank you for the family of God, the believers in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we can come daily. You said, come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, we thank you. We can come when we're thirsty, but we can come to receive rest and we can come and receive counsel and wisdom and understanding Lord in these times and I thank you that those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God and I thank you for the promise that you're with us and we're going to know you more and your abiding presence in this hour than maybe any group of believers maybe in history. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you. There's an excitement brewing in us. There's a wind blowing. And Lord, I pray right now, 
that the wind of the Holy Spirit would breathe upon everyone in this room and within, Lord. Just blow out all the discouragement, the doubts, fears, unbelief, dread. Lord, there's some, there's dread. It's unexplainable. And we drive it out now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're not called to dread. We're called with an expectation of hope. Hope against hopes. Hope that is not seen. That's not hope. So, Lord, it's not based on what we see. It's based on who you are. You're the God of hope, and you're an anchor of hope. And everyone, and I declare that, Lord, I just set a place, and everyone in this room and those that are watching, afresh, that anchor in place that is stable and will not give ground to the the contrary winds and the waves of adversity. I thank you, God, for the wind of the Spirit. And I give you glory. And I thank you for your presence here. I thank you, God. There sometimes you told the storm to cease. And other times you gave peace and the storm continued to rage. And so I thank you for your peace. And I speak peace over everyone in this room and all those that are watching now. Peace be unto you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you need healing right now, if you need healing, just slip your hand up. Say, I need a healing, physical healing. Okay, there's a number. And Lord, we just pray right now for the power of heaven. Jesus, Lord, we thank you. There is nothing impossible, and you are the same. And, Lord, I thank you that you're in this place to bring healing. You are the healer. There's power in this room to heal. And we bind every sickness. We bind every spirit of infirmity. We wreck every plan of hell and darkness. And we declare the kingdom of God is here. Lord, just like I read again this morning. Lord, when your works are done, it's evidence that the kingdom of God has come. And we declare that in this room. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it. So, Lord, we bless all the moms. Thank you. It's going to be a wonderful day. Thank you, God. I pray give everybody... an unexplainable hope unexplainable joy 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 in the name of Jesus God bless you guys I don't want to rush off too fast he's working right now most of the times he does his greatest work when we are mostly quiet I learned that one time But there are times we're to speak. So thank you, Lord. Jesus. You know, you're an honorable man. The Lord just wants you to know that you're honorable. And that he put his honor on you when you were, when you first came to Jesus. Were you young? You were, when you came to Jesus or was older? No, you you right there with the tie, the gray suit. Just wanted him to tell you. I feel like the Lord wants you to know you're an honorable man. And he put his stamp of honor on you. 
And he never took it off of you. Okay? Honorable. To be called an honorable person by the... I think that'd be a pretty good thing. But just know that. In his sight, you're a man of great honor. You know how they tell judges, your honor... When the Lord looks at you, there's somehow there's an honor that he's given you because you've honored him. That's how that honor comes. When we honor him, he honors us. So amen. God bless you guys. Be encouraged. We'll see you soon. If you want prayer, Ricky and them will be here. We'll have some people around the altar. We'll, they'll be here to agree with you. God bless you in Ohio and California, San Diego. Amen. Bless you.